All right, everybody, good morning. We are going to get started now. I want to say welcome to See Me Church. And for those of you that are at home enjoying our live stream, I hope uh, you have, are encouraged this morning. I'm Joe Collins, and I want to welcome all of you this morning to See Me Church. Our mission is to love God and to love neighbor, one household at a time. Ordinary people who believe in the extraordinary message of Jesus Christ. So no matter who you are, what your story, we're glad you're here. So we've been in a series we call One-on-One -on -one with Jesus. The idea is to look at individual interactions Jesus had with different people in Scripture and to see what we can apply to our lives today. Now, in the month of August, we modified the series and we called it My One-on-One -on -one with Jesus. And the idea was to hear from different members of Simi Church and let them share about their own personal one-on-ones that they've been having with Jesus. Last week, we heard from college student Ali Spaccarelli, husband and father Clay Taylor, and 14-year-old Aria Shemizadeh, and they did a great job sharing their own personal one-on-ones. Today, we're going to sort of wrap up this little of the series One-on-One -on -one with Jesus by hearing from two other great brothers, Daniel Contreras and Brian Gold. As always, the goal is to draw out something relevant to our faith and to our life today. After the brothers share, I'm going to come back up. I'll lead our thoughts in communion, and then we'll be done. So let's go to God right now and open up with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so very much for bringing us here today. Thank you for the great fellowship that we're enjoying. Thank you for the people at home watching from all around uh, the, the area, and even I know some out of state. God, I pray that you bless our time this morning and our fellowship with one another. Help us to be encouraged, help us to be inspired and to be strengthened and to brought to greater degrees of faith. Thank you for the two brothers that are going to share today, and I pray that you bless them. Give them the words, what to say, and how to say them to minister to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At this time, I'm going to call Daniel Contreras up, and he's going to share his one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. morning everybody uh, it's uh, it's really a, an, an honor and a privilege to be able to um, preach God's word um, and I thank Joe for giving me the opportunity to, to do it this morning um, now I don't know where this came from or how it originated but there there always seems to be a lot of importance placed on uh, the last words of a person who's about to die. We have that, uh, that phrase, you know, those were his or hers famous last words, right? So I figured, well, if the last words of a regular human being are so important, how much more important would the last words of the Son of God be? So this morning, I want to take a look at those last sayings of Jesus as he was nailed on the cross and right before he died. And the first thing that blew my mind when I looked at these sayings was how many sayings there are. I mean, from what I studied, I found seven sayings from the time he was crucified to when he died. Is that a coincidence? Well, I'm 
Probably not. I mean, you think of the number seven in scripture, it speaks of completeness and perfection and fullness. All things that embody the person of Christ. Now, in these seven sayings, we see what I like to call the three T's of Jesus. And let's look at the, fir- the first three. Starting in the book of Luke, chapter 23, verses 33 to 34. And it says, And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. So in this first saying, we see Jesus praying for his enemies, interceding on their behalf. Now let's jump a few verses down and look at verses 39 through 43. And it says, Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked them, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are, you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So in the second saying, we see Jesus promising eternal life to a sinner who repented, blessing him for putting his faith and trust in Jesus. And the third saying is found in John chapter 19. And we'll read verses 25 through 27. It says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And this third saying, we have Jesus being sympathetic towards his mother and making provisions for her by placing her in the care of his disciple, John, because he would no longer be able to take care of her. These first three sayings reveal the first T of Jesus, which is his thoughtfulness, his consideration for others. It's like, okay, well, that's just Jesus being Jesus always thinking of others, putting others first before himself. But when I take into consideration the context in which these sayings were uttered, they have a much deeper impact on me. Remember that the Lord Jesus had just gone through so much pain and suffering right now. He suffered injustice, false accusations, mockings, spittings, the plucking of his beard, the whippings, physical beating and torture. He experienced all of these things and much more. And yet his first consideration wasn't for himself. It was for others. 
He prayed and interceded for his enemies. He blessed a repentant sinner with eternal life. And he made provisions for his mother. And when I think about that, I just can't help but be in awe of Jesus. Now, you guys are probably a lot better than I am. But when I'm struggling and I'm going through some deep stuff, the last thing on my mind is other people. I'm only thinking about myself. Everything's always about me. What I went through, what was done to me, how I feel, what I need. Jesus thought of others in his darkest times. Can I at least do it in my brightest times? The thoughtfulness of Jesus. Let's look at the next two sayings. The fourth saying is actually repeated in two different parts of scripture. First, let's turn to Matthew 27, and we'll read verses 45 through 46. And it says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That same saying is found in Mark chapter 15, verses 33 to 34. It says again, now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lemasabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So both of these are the same saying. And what we see is Jesus crying out to God. And the fifth saying is found in John chapter 19, verse 28. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be, might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. In these two sayings, we see the second T of Jesus, and that is his travail, the painful and laborious work and effort. At the same time, we can see the two natures of Jesus. See, in the, in the first of these sayings, we see his divine nature. Jesus expressed the intense spiritual agony of being abandoned by his father as he bore the sin of the world alone on the cross. After being with the father and having that close and intimate relationship with him from eternity past, he had to be separated from him. Now, you know how I know that this hurt Jesus way more than any physical beating that he suffered? Because through all those beatings and mockings and humiliation, he was silent. Isaiah 53, 7 says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as his lamb to the slaughter. The sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. But this, being separated from his 
and the agony that came with it was way too much for him to be silent. He had to cry out. In the second saying, we see his human nature. Jesus expressed his physical anguish, thirsty. Now, for context, remember that this is a man who fasted at least once that we know of for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm pretty sure that this is something that he did on a regular basis. So for him to say that he was thirsty after just having had the last supper the night before must mean that that physical punishment that he endured was extremely draining physically, and it took a huge toll on him. For me, these two sayings really put into perspective how hard it must have been for Jesus to endure all that he endured. You see, you and I will never truly know how painful and agonizing his physical and spiritual sufferings were, how difficult it must have been to be separated from God so close to him ever since the beginning of time itself, how physically draining and exhausting it must have been to suffer for our sins. We'll never truly know. And thanks to him, we don't ever have to know. It's interesting to note that even in this most horrible and awful experience, Jesus was still confident that God was still on his side. He cries out, my God, my, why have you forsaken me? Do we have this same confidence in God in the midst of our trials? Do we believe that God is still for us, even when we go through dark times? Jesus was confident of that, and we can be too. The travail of Jesus. Then we have the last two sayings. Saying number six is found right there in John 19, verses 29 through 30. It says, now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with, with, with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So he said, it is finished. And the last saying is found in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. These last two sayings, we see the Lord Jesus, and that is his triumph. Now, I'm sure that many people who heard the words, it is finished, probably thought that Jesus was referring to his life. They were probably cheering that on. But that's not what he meant at all. This wasn't a cry of defeat. 
It was a cry of victory. The work that he came to do was finished. He had perfectly accomplished God's will. Man's redemption was now complete and the gift of salvation could now be freely offered to everyone. And I'd be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to ask, have you accepted this gift? If not, then what are you waiting for? You know that death can come for any one of us at any moment. And Jesus' last saying confirms that the soul will exist apart from the body. There is still life. The only question is, how and where will we spend the afterlife? For the saved and the redeemed, it will be, as Jesus stated, in the hands of God. In his very presence for all eternity. For the lost, well, let's just say you don't really want to go there. <laughs> Jesus was triumphant and victorious over sin and death. And we too can have victory, but only through him. So the three T's of Jesus, his thoughtfulness, his travail, and his triumph. It's my hope and prayer that you will be inspired and motivated by today's message to seek out God, to deepen your relationship with Jesus, that we can have a deeper appreciation of who Jesus is and what he did for us, and that we can continuously lift him up in praise and worship for the honor and glory of God. Thank you. Well, Daniel, that was, uh, I don't know about you guys, I feel like we could just go home, you know, we could take communion and uh, church would be done and anything I'm going to say is just going to mess up whatever Daniel did. Um, but really, it, it was, that was great. Um, the, uh, you know, Daniel talked a lot about the, the thoughtfulness of Jesus and, and, you know, you think of the two greatest commands are, are to love God and love your neighbor as yourself and his lesson really talked about loving God and, uh, and what Jesus has done for us. And mine focuses a lot more on, on your neighbor. So maybe that blends together. Um, I do want to give a shout uh, just people that are out there. I know a lot of you guys can't be here today, um, um, you know, recovering physically. And uh, a lot of other people are in that situation. So I want you to know that uh, we care about you. We wish we could be together. Um, definitely want you to feel the presence of uh, people here. Um, also there's people kind of all over watching. There's uh, a bunch of cute girls in Utah, um, watching today. Um, my daughter's there, so hopefully she's watching, but, um, she, she loves to see me church. She really does wherever she's at, whatever ministry she's in, she still wants to come back and, and uh, do see me and, and be a part of things here. So, um, anyhow, just hi to everybody else. Um, what I wanted to talk about today was, was empathy. Um, God's been teaching me a lot. Uh, in my own life um, through uh, suffering. <laughs> That's usually how I learn. I, I don't learn the quick and easy way. Um, 
you know, Dean would tell me to change, just learn from the, the things quickly, right? Learn from the easy lessons, learn from watching other people's misery, of feeling it yourself. But uh, no, I'm slow, so I have to continually learn these things. But uh, God is teaching me a lot of things. I was really moved by Aaron and uh, him talking about reading the Bible as a, as a story and uh, what that means uh, and how we can grow in that. And then uh, Ali and Aria sharing about their quiet times and their special scriptures and uh, what that means to us. And uh, really, they've done a great job. And, you know, I'm not like them. I'm, uh, I'm not cute. And um, I don't, you know, wear cool threads like Aaron. I'm not even sure I can say threads. Um, maybe Kelly will give me permission. Um, I got good kicks. Aaron, you'd like my shoes, but uh, you'd criticize my tube socks. So um, I'm a little more like uh, Clay. You know, I, we just wear white shirts to contrast our white hair. And um, we'll let the scripture speak. So in uh, Mark chapter 8 is uh, what I want to read, kind of a long passage and then sort of dissect it and just sort of go through, a, you know, a quiet time and kind of what, what God's been teaching me. But there's so many lessons in this that I was able to learn that uh, really I was able to see different things. Um, you know, when you're in a different place, you, you accept things differently. Um, so in verse 1 of Mark 8, it says, During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got into the boat and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf. It's kind of funny that they'd forgotten. Like, how do you just have that whole thing and then forget? Um, so except for that one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you not, still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets fulls of pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did he pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. 
Um, you know, the way I've looked at this story in the past, I've seen the miracles. Um, I've seen Jesus' teaching. I've seen the disciples' lack of faith. Um, but, you know, going along with what Aaron said of just kind of considering the story and really looking into what's happening, it's really showing me, you know, this story is really about being aware of other people's needs and meeting those needs, about Jesus' thoughtfulness, like Daniel shared. Um, in verse 2, just kind of want to walk through this. Um, you know, Jesus says, I have compassion on these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. Um, you know, I've never really looked at those people with compassion. Um, the, uh, he sees their physical needs and really cares about them. I, I kind of look at them and go, my tendency is to go, well, they should have brought more food um, or they should or they should have done something differently. And Jesus really cares about them and shows them he cares. He, he's thinking, you know, what are the people around me going through? Um, you know, Tyre and Sidon is where a lot of these people were coming from. Jesus had been up in that area, and then he comes down to the Sea of Galilee. Um, it's between 60 and 100 kilometers from there to where he was. And I don't know if you've ever walked, you know, 100 kilometers. I did when I was a kid. We used to I grew up in Germany, and we would have these uh, Volks marches there. I don't know, maybe Brittany's watching from Germany. So if, if you are, hey, um, she lives on the same base that I used to live on. But, um, you know, they'd have a Volks march, which meant a, a people's walk. And, and the, you would get a medal for walking, you know, 10 kilometers or 50 kilometers or 100 kilometers. And my dad would take me out and, and my brother and, um, you know, throw a tennis ball. So we'd keep walking through the forest and... <laughs> We just went through the, the black forest like that. We were really dumb, you know, <laughs> with boys to do anything. I have girls. They take a lot more, you know, I don't know, talking to. He'd just chuck a ball and we'd walk down the forest. And um, but we'd walk, you know, 100 kilometers, um, which takes about 20 hours. Um, if we wanted to walk 60 kilometers today, it would be, you know, from here to Ventura Pier. And you'd be at the pier and you'd stay there for three days and you'd be, um, I, and I wouldn't be looking forward to the walk back. You know, you came out to see Jesus, you spent time with Jesus, and now you got to go home to all the problems, right? Um, but Jesus really, really cares about him. And, and how do his disciples respond to it? They go, well, where are we going to find that much bread out here? Um, focused on others, and they're focused on themselves. And when I think about, you know, what Christian means, like the antithesis of Christian to me is self-centered. And yet that really is how I am a lot. It's kind of comforting to know the disciples were like that, I guess, um, at least early on. But, um, you know, I'm thinking about my problems. I'm thinking about how hot it is. I'm thinking about, you know, all the things I've got to go through. And instead of just looking around and going, wow, what about that guy? You know, what about Peter? I mean, he's suffering over there in the shade. And, um, you know, but we're, we all go through different things and it's really easy to judge people. Um, when, when we don't understand where they're coming from. Um, but Jesus really didn't focus on himself. He focused on, on the needs of people around him. He doesn't blame people uh, in this story, at least. Um, way too often, I, I try and put the blame on them for other people's situations. Um, he doesn't focus on how they got to be in need. He just focuses on the fact that they are in need. And he finds a way to meet that need. In verse 10, Jesus gets in a boat and he leaves. And when he lands, the Pharisees come out and immediately they start attacking him and accusing him and testing him. 
And, uh, and this is where I can relate to Jesus because the Bible just says he sighed deeply. In a crowds of people that spent all this time following Jesus and these guys just walk out of their houses and accuse him. Um, he often accuses the Pharisees of being religious, but not really caring about people. And I, I think I can be like that a lot. That's, that's a warning to us of how easy, it, you know, how we can kind of come out from our little bubble and accuse other people and uh, not really even get the point, um, not see what's going on. Pro tip here, um, Eric and I have been doing some counseling and, um, and, and, you know, as, as you get into conflict, um, you, uh, your body wants to go fight or flight, right? And so this was take a deep breath, breathe, stop, let your body calm down, and then you can engage. And uh, I think, you know, if I just listened to the Bible a little more, I could have saved a few hundred dollars this week. But, um, you know, Jesus says um, next that he says they want a sign and no sign will be given. But he had just fed 4,000 people and he says no sign will be given. Um, you know, <laughs> how often does Jesus give us signs? We're asking for signs and he's giving us signs and we completely ignore them. Um, we stay home and never know what happened. Um, I, I, you know, in my response to COVID, Joe and I have very differing uh, uh, takes on this. I, you know, the California changed its whole color code this week. So um, I'm still wearing a yellow band because it means minimal um, nowadays. And, and uh, there is no green right? There's no green in California. So um, if you've got a green band, they changed what that means this week and, uh, and all of that. But, you know, with COVID, it's, um, it's easy to stay home. It's easy to, and, and we, we draw into ourselves. And I'm definitely that way. Uh, the only way Joe can get me out is to ask me to preach and then I have to come to church in person. Um, maybe it's the same way for you. Aaron's not here this week, by the way. I don't know what happened, Aaron. Um, he's usually here. But, um, uh, you know, it's easy to kind of get into my world and get focused and get get um, drawn in and not want to go out. And I know we're, we're all coming from different places and, and a lot of us have health challenges. Uh, Erica started back to work yesterday and I'm like, uh, you know, thank you for that um, to the state, I suppose. And thank you that she doesn't work in L.A. County because be able to work. But, um, you know, I don't want her to get sick and then not be able to go to work for two weeks. Um, but, uh, you know, so there are, there are definitely reasons we need to be careful and thoughtful and take precautions and stuff. But as I think about it, you know, Jesus didn't do very many signs. in. Um, there's a couple, right? The, uh, the disciples lowered um, Lazarus through the roof. So they broke into somebody's house. Maybe Jesus will break into your house and cut a hole in the roof and, and do something. Um, he raised um, the, the boy from the dead, or the girl, Tabitha. Um, you know, so there's a couple of times, but almost always when Jesus gives a sign, he says, get up and go. He heals somebody and he says, get up and go. So however you can apply that in your life, do that, you know, just consider it and go, am, am I seeing God in my life? I know even it's, it's harder for me to have quiet times at home. I, I, I'm, I don't see needs. And so I don't dig into the Bible. Um, but, you know, are, are we taking advantage of that? Are, are we, are we getting out there and finding ways to go and see what God's doing? Cause it's not probably going to happen when I'm at home watching television. Um, and again, you know, please 
don't apply that wrongly. I mean, a lot of us can't, uh, and that's fine. That's great. But, but find ways to engage however you can with people. Even for me, it's, I'm, I'm just not even, if I'm not seeing somebody, am I calling them? You know, I saw Peter on, uh, on you know, YouTube last Wednesday for midweek, uh, but I haven't called them just to say hi. Um, and so there's a lot of ways we can be doing that in, in our lives. And, and Stacy and Al, thanks for showing up. It's good to see you guys. Totally miss you. It's great to see you online. Two weeks ago, they were, uh, they, their computer didn't work. So they were on Zoom with uh, just the phone call, right? You couldn't see them. And uh, then they figured it out. So now we get to see them. And now I get to see you in person. So that's fantastic. Um, in verse 17 here, it says, And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart, having eyes that you, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces you picked up? When I broke the, the seven for the 4,000, how many large basketfuls? Uh, large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And he was say, saying to them, do you not understand? Um, you know, a question, do you have a hardened heart? The, the word for hardened here means dull or insensible. And my heart can be like that often, where I just don't, I'm dull. I don't even notice what's going on. My wife's like, and I'm, Some, something happened. Um. You know, but I can be really insensible and, uh, and not caring about uh, what people are feeling around me. Um, in uh, Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 to 15, um, but it's part, he's giving part of the law and uh, has a whole set. But in verse 7, he says, You shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother, but you shall freely open your hand to him. Verse 11 says, therefore, I command you saying, you shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in your land. And verse 15 says, you shall remember in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I have command, I command you this day. Uh, you know, I'm learning a lot about empathetic listening, right? Where you need to ask questions and draw people out. And there's some proverbs on that, apparently, that I should have been doing for a long time. Um, but, you know, asking people what they feel and then sort of the key to it, um, cause I'm terrible at it, but what I'm told is, um, remembering a time when you felt similarly. So maybe you don't feel whatever hurt by this, but you can feel, you can remember when you felt hurt by somebody who treated you in a similar way. And then just kind of relating to that and going, okay, I don't understand how you feel, Erica, but one time I hurt. And so I get that and I'm sorry. Um, you, you're recording this, right? Um, so, because uh, <laughs> that's about all. Anyhow, I'm working. Um, but, you know, it, right here in Deuteronomy, God does this. God does the exact same thing with people. He, he gives them, a, he tells them what to do. He tells them to care for people. And then he, that's okay. It's, oh, your thing's going to fall. Um, and then he says, remember, you were a slave and God redeemed you. And I think that's the key for us to, to empathizing is remembering what we've been freed from, remembering that I might not have felt that way, but I felt similarly. And I, I, can, I can relate to that. I've been in despair uh, you know, and felt like God wasn't hearing my cries. Um, how many people around us feel that way? 
And how can I remember that I've been freed from that so I can relate to people that are, that are feeling the same way? 1 John 3.17 says, But whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? In the NIV, it says, If you have no pity on the poor, how can the love of God be in you? And I can see how I close my eyes and my heart to many needs around me. I just don't want to feel them. I, I don't get it or I don't want to take the time to understand or whatever. And instead of, uh, of trying to understand, I'm inclined to show them what I think is right. Um, to, uh, I don't want to you know, figure out what Erica's feeling. I want to tell her my opinion and, and keep telling it to her until she gets it. Um, I can do this you know, regarding racism, uh, gender equality, education and jobs. I do it with my wife and my kids and many people around me. And instead of trying to convince them that I'm right, I'm, I'm really learning. And I think this, this whole scripture is teaching me I need to open my heart to them and find out how they feel and uh, try to relate to how I felt similarly. I went for a hike with Javier. Hey, Javier and uh, Sophia and Patricia. They're, no, they're, in, they're on the camera. Sorry. Um, but uh, I know they're, they're back home watching. Um, but we went for a hike and, um, you know, we, we have different backgrounds, uh, but and we were just having to talk about all kinds of things. Uh, but instead of him like trying to get me to understand how he felt, he just asked me a question. He said, Hey, have you ever been mistreated by a policeman? And then we got to have this great talk about our backgrounds and why we might feel the way we do about the world. Um, and, and that really helped me not to, it wasn't like neither one of us were trying to get a, a conclusion across or drive a point. It was just what, why do you feel what you feel? Um, which was super helpful to me. And, and I really appreciate just him and our time that we got to spend together. Um, and if I, you know, it helped me see if I asked more questions and gave less answers, I could show a lot more love to the people around me. So before Erica starts taking notes um, and holding me accountable for all this, uh, let's go back to Mark chapter eight. Um, he says in verse 17, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And then in verse 21, he says, do you still not understand? And then check this out. This is where Aaron was saying, you know, how you read the Bible as a story um, and you see our part in it. Immediately after he asked them, do you have eyes and still not hear? He heals a blind man. Like I'd never put that part of the story together. I'd never for some, I'm dull. It takes me longer. But uh um, you know, he's, he immediately, in verse 23, it says, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home. Don't even go into the village. I think this is the way Jesus looks at me, you know, like he tries to teach me things for, you know, it's the way Erica looks at me, um, you know, and, and you spend a lot of time learning something and, and talking and Jesus is like trying to convince me of something. And he goes, do you understand at all? And I go, I, I see people walking around. They look like trees. Um, I get a very little glimpse, you know, and um so it's good to have this example and, and know that he's going to keep working on me. And eventually um, I'll, be, I'll be able to see earlier. 
Um, you know, ways to apply this in my life. I, it's a lot about the poor, but I think it's, it's really just, for me, it's just needs. It's seeing needs of people around me. It can be all kinds of needs. Um, for me, uh, you know, regarding racism, if I open my eyes and ears much more to how people of color feel in my workplace or in the church or in my neighborhood, um, I can learn to be more like Jesus, more filled with compassion um, and, and not, you know, um, where are we going to find that much bread around here? Like, th that's my answer to a lot of stuff. Like, oh, I can't do it. It's too much. Um, this is just destroyed um, and have their own needs and their neighbor neighbors to help. And we raised about $50,000 to send directly to help the church there. So thank you for those of you that gave. Um, not all of us can give financially, but thanks just for the people that prayed for it. I know I know how grateful they are. I've, I've seen the, uh, um, I think it's Samir, the, the woman there, just her tears, um, her, her pain, uh, how much she wants to help, how much she wants to do, and how grateful she is for people's prayers. And they're studying the Bible with like 50 people um, in Beirut. It's amazing to see what they're doing there. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I got into this whole lesson because um, Joe and I were talking about special missions, which is coming up, and he asked me to do it. And so this is like a weird transition, but um, I, I didn't want to do a special missions talk. I really wanted to kind of focus on my one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and what Jesus is teaching me. Um, you know, we usually do special missions in the spring, and this year we postponed it because of COVID um, until September 6th. And if you've looked at the calendar lately, you know that that's just a couple days away. <laughs> um, it's amazing how like September's here. Uh, buy your Christmas gifts now. Joe and I both have birthdays in September. So right after special missions, um, bake us cake or do something nice. But, um, uh, you know, some people in this congregation are fully employed and, and, uh, and are doing fine financially. Some people, you know, have a spouse that can't work, but one of you can. And uh, some of you have significant needs. And um, I want you to know we don't want to um, burden or tax people. Um, or, or put a burden on people. We don't ask for money very often and really are, are trying to not, um, not do that during this time. There's lots of needs, but um, the, the needs that are in those, those countries and those churches are still there. And so we've considered, should we even have a contribution for this this year? But um, not meeting those needs is just as bad. Um, you know, I, I'm on the board of the Baltic Nordic churches, um, and Eric and I have been able to, to go to uh, Finland and Sweden and meet a lot of the disciples there. We paid for the trip ourselves. Nobody paid for it. Um, but uh, we got to meet a lot of those, those disciples and, and make a lot of friends and also just, you know, kind of just see the needs and see what people are going through. There's um, when we were over there, there were 12 disciples in Iceland. Now there's six. Um, there was a minister and now there's not. Um, there was a church in uh, Bergen, Norway that they planted and they had to pull that church back because they couldn't continue to sustain it. Um, at one point, there was no woman's ministry leader in Norway. And because of the money that goes to this missions fund, they were, I mean, how would you, how would we do if we didn't have Lynette? You know, what, what would we do if we didn't have a women's, someone to serve and, and meet the needs of the women? Joe's a very sensitive man. And I know he, he's a great listener. But, uh, you know, there's a, you just need somebody who's a little more like you. Um, got a softer side. He's, he's better because of Lynette. So, um, you know, but 
that that church wouldn't have had a woman's ministry leader if it wasn't for people giving to the Baltic Nordics. Um, the, there's a church in um, uh, Denmark with about 40 disciples that hasn't had a, a minister in a number of years. They're looking to hire somebody and have been saving their money um, and trying to pull it to, so that they can have a minister. Um, but most of these countries, there's only one church in that country. There's one church in, in Riga in Latvia. Uh, there used to be two churches in Estonia and they had to drop one and they're hoping to replant Tartu um, in the coming year because there's a giant university there um, and they used to have a great church. But if you're still living there and, and you're, you couldn't afford to have your minister, what would it be like to, to be, you know, just a few disciples in a country? And like, imagine it's just you and I in a country and you're stuck. I'm like the only person you're going to be. You're, it's, that's a bad situation. Imagine it's Dean and I, both of us. Like, that's it. But for sensitivity, for a listening ear, Dean. Um, you know, there's, there's like that. That's all they've got is the two families they know um, in their country. Um, so, you know, as I can relate to people and, and see that, I want to meet those needs. Um, really want to help those churches grow. Um, our missions contribution goes to help uh, the Baltic Nordic churches, the churches in Eurasia, and uh, also the Pacific Southwest does some plantings. They planted a church in San Luis Obispo lately that uh, we helped for a while, and now they're getting to be self-sufficient. Um, you know, last week, Aria shared um, her favorite scripture. I don't know if any of you remember. It was Proverbs eleven twenty-five: A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That's the spirit I want to have with missions and with everyone around me, whether it's financial or prayers or just calling somebody. I want to refresh others. And, and I hope that we do that. Um, thanks for allowing me to share um, my one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. And um, just thank you for your hearts for the poor and, and also just for saving souls all around the world. Appreciate it. Really great job, Brian. I want to thank both Brian and Daniel for doing a fantastic job this morning. This time we're going to take communion. We're going to pray for the weekly offering. I'm going to read Luke chapter 22. It says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not Drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the, co of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You know, communion has been celebrated by every branch of Christianity for over the last 2000 years. Some call it the Eucharist. Some call it the Lord's Supper. Others call it communion. It's something that we at Simi Church do every week whether we meet in person like this or at home. Fundamentally, communion is all about Jesus. Luke tells us that Jesus himself instituted communion as a way for his disciples to remember his sacrifice on the cross and our deliverance from sin. At its core, communion is a celebration. Every time we gather to eat the bread, drink the cup, we are reminded that Christ lived among us, died for us, and now lives within us. And that is a reason to celebrate. You know, one of the things I celebrate when I take communion is that whatever I may lose in this life, I will not fail 
to receive a hundred times as much in return and then receive eternal life. For me, communion means that I have something greater than this life to live for, that I look beyond just the here and now and see that Jesus has offered me and every one of us who believe in him, not only the best life we can live here, even among our difficulties, but then we get eternal life. That's why one of the reasons why I celebrate communion. You know, at Simi Church, we believe that the Bible is the best source of truth in our world today. In it, we learn that Jesus is Lord. He lived a sinless life, died on a cross, and rose to life again. And it's in this belief that we do everything. We are a member-supported fellowship by people like me. You can give today online at simi.church or by texting keyword Simi Church to 77977. At this time, I'm going to say a prayer, and then I'm going to give you a few minutes of uh, background music to eat the bread and drink the cup in remembrance of Jesus and to meditate on what his life, death, and resurrection means to you. And let's not forget, those of you that give online or may give in person or some other way, that we give each week to support the work of the church here. And so I'll pray for that as well. Let's go to God and pray, and then we'll take communion. Father, thank you for this time to come together. And what an incredible day you have given us. It is so beautiful right now. And it's so great to be together with the brothers and sisters and for those who are at home watching. And we thank you for joining, uh, having them join us. God, I pray now that as we take this bread and this cup, we do remember the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means to us. And we also ask for you to uh, that we give each week. Uh, most of us do that online in a reoccurring gift, but some give in person. And we are grateful for every gift that's received. And we pray that you bless it to continue the work of the church God, help us just to connect with you now and with one another through this communion. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I believe in the sun. I believe in the risen one. I believe I overcome by the power of His blood. Amen. Amen. I'm alive. I'm alive because He lives. Amen. Amen. Let my song join the world that never ends Because He lives I was dead in the grave I was covered in sin and shame I heard mercy call my name He the sun away Amen, amen I'm alive, I'm alive because He lives Amen, amen Let my soul the world that never ends because he lives 
So if you've been joining us at home and you weren't able to take communion, please make sure you do so later today. So we want Simi Church to be your church, your family's church, and your neighbor's church. If you want to know more, just connect with the person who told you about us, or you can contact me directly through our website. I want to remind all the members of Simi Church to be engaging our worlds for Christ. We can do this by praying for, investing in, and being Jesus to the people in our lives. And don't forget to invite them to see me church. One of the ways you can do this is by sharing our link to our website and our social media outlets. And if you're watching online at home right now, please do me a favor and click the like button as we want to continue to uh, uh, expand our online presence. Now, last week, uh, and, and as Brian mentioned in his sermon today, I mentioned that this Sunday is our annual missions offering. And for those of you that may not realize this, but because of the way the weeks have broken out, we're actually going to do two back-to-back -back tailgate services. So we're going to be back here again next Sunday, same time, right here. And of course, we'll be online, same time. And we're going to be celebrating our missions offering. Now, the way we're going to collect the offering for most of us is by giving online. And you can do that by going to seeme.church, clicking on the give button, and then in the drop-down menu on the give page, just select missions, and then you can make your offering there. As a matter of fact, you can do that anytime uh, that you want. You can do that today. You can do that tomorrow, anytime this week. Some people have already done it uh, in, in previous weeks. Um, and we will keep that giving window open all the way through the end of September because sometimes people, uh, you know, have a because of a pay uh, the way they're paid their, uh, you know, what, whatever week it is that they get paid. Maybe they want to give in installments or whatever. But we will allow the uh, giving window to stay open all the way through the end of September. But by the end of September, we'll close it. Whatever we've collected, we will send off to support the mission works in the areas that Brian uh, already mentioned. If you're unable to give online and you're unable to join us next Sunday where we can take up a collection, you can also contact me or my wife through email and we'll make arrangements for you to get your gift uh, in. So uh, Lynette and I want to thank you in advance for your generosity, your cheerful giving. We know that it's going to go to do great uh, things over in those parts of the world. And anything over our commitment that we raise, we will keep back right here in Simi Church and use for our local ministry efforts here. So with that, I'm going to close us out with a word of prayer. I want to remind you all, we'll be back here next Sunday, 1030 a.m. and enjoy another tailgate worship. And for those of you at home, you can watch online as always. So God bless, and we'll see you then. Let's go ahead and close out with a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you so very much for this time and for the work that all the speakers throughout the month of August put in Every last one of them did a fantastic job. And I hope that the church, especially those who are watching from on at home, are especially encouraged through this month just to see the different faces and, and to connect with each other once again, even, even if it is online. I pray, God, that you will bless the rest of our day. Help us to be brought closer to you through the lessons that we heard this morning and the encouragement that we have. 
We are so blessed, God, even in all the difficulties that we face, to be disciples and to have salvation granted by you through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray for a great rest of the day and week for all of us. Thank you in advance for the missions offering that we're going to be collecting. And I pray that God to do great things in those mission fields all around the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you are dismissed. Been holding on for too long, singing the same, those same songs, putting me behind the misery. It's all for me. Been holding on for too long, but now I've got nothing to hold on.